Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an audience chosen film. We asked for you to select your favourite comedies from the comedies picked by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash podcast. The film that you have collectively chosen for us to review and have a couple of chuckles at is... The Emperor's New Groove, the Disney animated comedy from the year 2000. That's going to be a groove. (laughs) (laughs) So, joining us as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing, Katrina? I'm doing okay. Yeah, nice day. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice drizzly cold day, so quite looking forward to sitting and watching a film. Excellent. You've not seen The Emperor's New Groove. No, I have not. But as uh, Rob just experienced, I have some knowledge of it uh, because I am a frequent scroller of Pinterest mm-hmm. and therefore Tumblr mm-hmm. and things like that and and Instagram now. Um, so yes, I have had some exposure to the concepts yeah, of the film. Them, them millennials really like that film, and it's on mm-hmm. a lot of their internet content. Yep, yep, it is. Um, so, so what do you know about the film then? I know it follows the character of Cusco, who is the emperor of the I want to say Incan Empire, um, or something like that, and um, and he is not a very nice person and gets cursed and it's i think the movie is about his journey to be uncursed and i believe his curse is he turns into a llama that's a pretty pretty accurate summation yeah. there yeah that's that's what it's all about and somewhere there's a new groove we're mm. gonna find it and replace the old groove it, yeah. it's gonna be great uh well luckily we have someone who has seen the film uh ladies and gentlemen it is robert woods howdy the yeah. grooviest thank, thank person. god i'm here <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> yeah uh, howdy doody rob ah oh, I'm, I'm groovy you're groovy yeah. emperor's new groove yep um you you voted for this film yes. right? in fact you both voted for it in the audience we poll, did uh yeah. because my guests are allowed to vote on films that they might be watching um but you you voted for it why did you vote for this one um it's it's always been a favorite it's it's one of my one of my top comedies of all time <laughs> i really I just yeah right um i don't know why maybe because it's like it's an underdog disney film and I just love the animation in it and the characters, um, mm. but also the the style of comedy, which is so removed from what Disney was doing at the time. Mm. Um, just I remember seeing it and going, "Whoa, this feels like Warner Brothers, not Disney. This mm. is like this is wild," and it felt rebellious, and it felt it felt like we were watching something we sh- that shouldn't exist. <laughs> so it was just exciting. It was like mm. punk Disney to me. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it is interesting thinking about the Disney films released in the late nineties and early two thousands. Mm. Um, obviously when people think Disney classically, they think of the films that came slightly before that in the Disney. Literally like the, the films released prior to this one were entirely uh, big, musical mm. stories and this this is the first to buck that trend yeah mm. and you know things that were also like like tarzan which had a big score but it wasn't the characters themselves um with the exception of the the pots and pans scene i guess with yeah. the gorillas that it wasn't you know uh phil collins throwing his voice over tarzan as he sings about two worlds one family or whatever and i feel like lilo and stitch and films from that sort of time period mm. represent this really interesting 
shift it, in what Disney were doing. Yeah. Very much so. I'm mm. sure we'll talk about that. It's kind of surprising that uh, a movie that even references music in the title, really, because when you think groove, mm. you think music, uh, that it doesn't have any songs. Mm. It. I mean, look, it, it, it does have songs, mm. and but I, I wouldn't say it's a musical. It's mm. got like two songs within the 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 story the storyline yeah. mm-hmm. and and then end credits song um it originally had a whole lot more oh. um sting did the music mm. um and, Poor sting and if, he if anyone mus- he had another musical that failed as well if, if, are you if, talking about the last shit yes i am <laughs> that musical didn't fail we just didn't understand it that's a great <laughs> musical oh no, no no i'm i i i yeah. have heard only one song from it mm. but i just know it did not survive its run. <laughs> it, it did not, which is a real shame. Shame on you, well, American audiences. That was a good show. <laughs> well, Sting's wife uh, directed a making of documentary about this film called The Sweatbox, which Disney has since banned. Oh, um, but it is if, if you if you look for it on mm. certain torrent sites or, or YouTube, um, uh, it it gets put up every now and then and taken down. And it is the best resource for behind the scenes of what it takes to make an animated film at right. Disney at that era. Oh, wow. Um, because it is so candid and, it, and, and you see these creative artists at quite a vulnerable moment. And I think that's why Disney didn't want want it going public they but, don't want to see behind the curtain but it is it is the best documentary and it is one of my all-time favorite things and also one of the reasons why i love this film um because when you see what it was going to be you know from the director of the lion king and it was going mm. to be the next lion king mm. and what it went through um it's just a roller coaster ride of filmmaking versus finance and oh. um creative looking, clashes behind the scenes I'm and looking it is, forward to this it's <laughs> it's i think it's required viewing for anyone that loves the emperor's new groove okay. it's it's that good it's that brilliant mm. I'm, a, I'm a little disappointed we're not reviewing the sweat box i now, I, but... I, yeah. I like i hesitated to bring it up but i was like oh man i if i if we had time i would make you sit down and watch it straight after the movie because it's okay. it's that yeah. maybe it, maybe for a later day we yeah can, we can, maybe we can but also just like in terms of disney animation and mm. getting a look at that coming out of the golden era mm. and into this stage of disney um n- unsure of where it's going to go um you've got toy story had just come out um cg animations taking over and Disney no longer is aware of what its identity as a studio and as a, an animation animation company is if they're not doing big Broadway style musical any uh, musical films anymore. Yeah. Um, and you see it like this is this is the first film, and it was like an accident that it happened this way, but this is the first film that doesn't have a full-on musical score, or right. like like six songs mm. within mm. the show. Um, and then after that, we get Lilo and Stitch, and Treasure Planet, and um, Atlantis, mm. and just like... All the, just... all the Disney movies that people forget are Disney movies. Exactly. and But ones that have like 
very passionate fans, mm. but it but they're very niche films and they're very divisive, and yeah. it is this kind of a wild stage of them scrambling, going, trying this out and trying an mm. epic adventure and trying a, a watercolour style, like cute little alien film or trying a widescreen and, and mm. uh, like trying a slapstick comedy, like just, just mm. what, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of flailing and then they try and go back to it with Home on the Range and, and it just kills them for good <laughs> mm. it's it's a fascinating period um yeah and so yeah. i'm sure animation lovers all all hold this film as like uh this is the turning point right this is this is literally the corner right well with all wow. that being said uh shall we watch the emperor's new groove yeah, yeah, diggity. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to pull the lever, Kronk! Wrong lever! <laughs> As we watch The Emperor's New Groove! Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching The Emperor's New Groove. And by we, I, of course, mean uh, Robert Woods. Hello. And Katrina Johnston. Hello. Katrina, that was your first time watching The Emperor's New Groove. What did you think? I really, I liked it. Um, I don't think I'm as big of a fan as as what I'm gathering you are, Rob, Mm. with it. But it was a lot of fun. Um, And, yeah, it was... Yeah, it doesn't feel like a Disney film. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like it, yeah. It's yeah, it, it feels so flippant. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, and I th- yeah, I have I have some thoughts um that I think we'll probably get into as we yeah. as we continue discussing this film, but I I enjoyed it, but also there was a part of me going sitting back and going, mm, this this has some problems. Mm. Um Problems because of content or problems because it's not Disney? Not what you expect from Disney? Um, uh, mainly content. Like, I don't mind when um, studios or filmmakers or actors or whatever, they go outside their wheelhouse because, mm. you know, we don't always want the same thing. And yeah. that can be a good way of um, some organisations freshening things up and giving us something new because we as audience members, I don't think we ever really know what we want until mm. we see it. Yeah. With the exception of some very key things. Um, no, more in terms of uh, some some problems in terms of very surface level storyline. Mm. I, I did have some problems with, I felt I didn't quite connect with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some major issues with how they basically appropriated an entire culture and mm. made a film about it. Yeah, well, it is Disney, uh, yeah. and that that happens. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that's um, definitely worth getting onto. So let's mm. get onto it by discussing uh, first of all, uh, what's this film about? Um, <laughs> well, it, it's about. This emperor who needs a new groove, and by new groove we mean become a decent human being. Yes. 
Um, it, it's your classic um, person who's not particularly great learning the error of their ways through magical transformation. In this case, he turns into a llama, has not a great time as a llama. When he's back in human form, he has uh, begun to not treat people like crap. Like dirt. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Um, and Robert, they tell this very sort of classic story in a very entertaining way. They certainly do. <laughs> it's 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 interesting how it was developed and how it ended up being this very very boiled down uh, kind of buddy odd couple road trip story like, and like almost a double hander. Yeah, buddy odd couple road yeah. trip. Yeah, um, and they've just kind of. Made it that and then had some really fun mm. um, comedic set pieces, yeah. like old school style door gags and yeah. just a lot of like um, farce, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, Almost to, like to things, fill it out. things they know that would work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting because my experience with this film, as the first time I watched it years ago, was just, oh, it's a Disney film. Oh, it's a bit different, but it's very funny. Yeah. Um, but but obviously with the uh, history of the production, which um, I'm sure we're going to delve into <laughs> yeah. shortly. It, it, is, it is weird to mm. divorce it from that and think, think about um, my first viewing of it as well, which mm. was very similar. Mm. But I, I do remember going, uh, watching it and... Like Disney films, they're they're always funny. They've always got funny bits in it, mm-hmm. but they're not. This they're not wall to wall. Yeah, this was quite jam packed. Like this was, it this almost, was an out and out fast comedy. It mm. almost felt like watching a film, an animated film by Monty Python in a way. Mm. Um, Lots of fourth wall breaking. Yeah, and, and drawing and attention just, to the and actual just filmmaking. Ridiculousness. And, yeah. And, mm. Things like completely that. absurd. And yeah. I, I think that's possibly why it, it remains very popular. I mm. mean, I mean, it was up against some very funny films in our in our poll. Yeah. But it feels as though the Empress New Groove was almost, almost ahead of sort of like what a lot of people who who have grown up since two thousand. Yeah. That sort of humor, that sort of breaking the fourth wall mm. very self-referential um deeply mm. flawed protagonists yeah um it, it does feel a little bit like it's it's a template for a lot of comedies that have come subsequently for sure and i think the fact that um katrina you were very aware of this film just through its memeable content yeah there is so much yeah. that it, it is very very quotable mm. um mm. Yeah, like I was aware of the relationship between Kronk and is is Isma or Isma Isma Kronk and Isma. Um, yeah, and the whole wrong lever gag. Wrong lever. (laughs) Yeah, like that's been done. I think I've even done that joke Mm. on a slide on a water slide at an adventure park. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but I've definitely read about it. Yeah. 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 Um, and. I, I think the things this film does really well is mm. it, it it is funny and it it knows that its story is very basic mm. and so they don't focus on it or the story is not the most important thing. It, yeah. It's mm. the it's the emotional journey of Cusco and Pacha and Cusco learning to be um, not a dickhead basically yeah. and and Pacha sort of showing him this this other way of living. Yeah, teaching him and. Then the rest of it is just um, Yzma and Kronk mm. 
having like a really fun like villains you like can root for. Oh, yeah, yeah, really fun. Just the most stuff. fun villain duo. Yeah. yeah, villains that you can like. They're not problematic really in any way, yeah. other than you know Isma's kind of a bad advisor. But yeah. they're like the they're the kind of villains that Disney does not do anymore, mm. where they are just out and out. Isma at least is just out and out a villain. Yeah. Mm. And she knows it, and she she embraces it, and she has fun with it. Mm. Mm. She puts style to it, yeah. her, her own style to it. Mm. And then Crunk, as the foil for her um, ruining her plans, is yeah. just she's almost, delightful. She's al- he, Crunk is almost like a Baldrick to uh, a Blackadder. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, it's it's beautifully done the way they interact, and obviously having as, as you say, Eartha Kit and. Patrick Warburton oh. as their voices. That that just that was Eartha Kitt. Perfect. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it was so Catwoman cool. herself. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, just absolutely superb. But I, I, as we were saying, I think um, like the the very moment, and they save it towards the end where you, they kind of show that they the story is not important. It, it's about mm. these characters. Is is when Isma and Kronk get back to the lab before yeah. uh, Patcher <laughs> and and Cusco and even yeah. say you know. But, well, right, it doesn't make sense. You know, that whole thing <laughs> yeah. is, is... And it's just Classic. lovely, because it's, it's like, this is not a film about this story, about mm. the importance of it making sense. Like, there's lots of physics breaking. There's lots of cultural appropriation within the main yeah. cultural appropriation that isn't based on, yeah. on on the culture they're trying to appropriate. Like, you know, the Having said dancing. that, I, I would say that um, Disney are great at getting that the even if it's the bare minimum mm. what's there of Cusco's character arc yeah. journey is so brilliantly clearly spelled out yes but mm. like even if it even if it isn't life changing it's so mm. slight it's so light but mm. it's there and it's enough for them to hang yeah the rest of the yeah, film it's on a, it's and very... it works and the, i think i think his um, relationship with Pacha, uh, I think John Goodman brings a lot of heart to that character, and you get you do get a sense of like that that family unit is yeah. loving and kind. I I do I do agree about the John Goodman aspect. I didn't, and I really like Esma and Kronk, um, but there was parts parts of it that I just I didn't entirely buy the character the arc of the relationship between Cusco and Pacha. Right. Mm. It just it felt a bit stuck on. Um mm. like not so much at the beginning but towards the end it just felt like it yeah it kind of happened all of a sudden and But they yeah. have to work together and they have yeah. to walk up for the thing. Yeah, and yeah, and I get that. Like, and there were moments where callback. where I was like I was like oh yeah, it, I can I can mm. just sort of taste it, but I didn't I didn't entirely buy it. Ah, mm. Well, it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> is is it possibly because um, maybe Patcher? Too... Well, Patcher doesn't change. Like, there's, there's no there's no growth for Patcher no. really. He's well, he's it's not his story. It's the impression. No. It's true. Yeah, but he's very much there as being like, hey, and he's he's just set up as like, this is exactly what like being a good American father figure mm. is in the mm. year two thousand. Like yeah. in culture, he's. 
He's he loves his kids, and then he's got a wife, and there's another baby on he's the a, way. He's a working man, mm. and he's a, yeah, a family. Simple working man who's like yeah. you know kind of a big dude, but you know looks after people. He's got <laughs> but very he's much, lovable, and, yeah, yeah, and like he, he he's very patient. And mm. the thing is, is like he's he's rarely aggressive. The only time he's aggressive is when he punches the emperor after he's betrayed him, which I think we're all yeah. like fair enough. That's that yeah, go for it. But maybe it's partly because. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily bad for the film, but because mm. so much of it was focused on the Emperor's journey, on Cusco's yeah. journey, that maybe that relationship felt maybe a bit tacked on or even a bit stagnant yeah. because it was a one-sided transformation. Maybe. Cusco and, uh, sorry, Kronk and Yzma have, I think, a similar thing where mm. Kronk's the one that's going for a transformation. But I, because I, the... I would argue that none of the characters except Kuzgo go for a, through yeah, a transformation. No, no, but, well, yeah. well, okay, Kronk has a very minor transformation. The point is, is Kronk is introspective with his angel is, and demon yeah. talks. And they have a much more simplified version of that relationship change. Mm. But because they're not our, our protagonists, they're not our goodies it doesn't matter as much because they're like, oh, but they're fun villains and they, you know, they he makes yeah. spinach puffs and she sleeps with a, a mask on and stuff. Mm. Like it's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that possibly, that was possibly. my Possibly. Um, yeah, I just, like I found, I found the characters all fun and everything, but yeah, I think maybe it's just Cusco needed more dialogue where mm. I don't, like the whole beginning bit, I understood how he got to the spoilt child aspect, but I don't know. I just yeah, there was parts of it that just didn't didn't quite. I yeah, I just couldn't connect with. It Would was... it have benefited for you from being a longer film? Because it it's only seventy eight minutes. It's a very short film. Possibly, um, yeah. yeah, and just having having more of those like by the fire moments mm. that Cusco and Pacha have to to see a bit more of the whole of those concepts that Cusco is learning breaking through mm. and him battling with that I guess maybe yeah there isn't really any of that is there it's just no, it's not. just him needing Pacha yeah, him needing Pacha and, and learning that Pacha didn't lie to him yeah uh, I guess the closest like you get it. to that is when he rescues him off the cliff and then when he goes and tries to befriend the other llamas and he realized that nobody cares about him mm-hmm. it almost feels mm. like in a more traditional disney film we would have had the the sad kuzgo llama song when the mm. other llamas reject him oh, for and sure. he'd have been having that that essentially the, the usual princess lament yeah um, he'd have been it's used as a bookend here though which is interesting because that's mm. how the film starts yeah. it starts in the the dark night of the soul yeah, yeah. as a and then as a flashback device he kind of yeah. narrates the rest of the story. Yeah. And maybe that's partly why this film stands out a bit because it is quite transformative in the way it plays around with the structure. It starts mm. at the lowest ebb and is like, look at this loser. Anyway. And and I really loved, and I don't think I've really picked up on it before, but the fact that when we get back to that lowest moment, yeah. narrator Kuzco is shut down by the Kuzco yeah. that's yeah. learned the lesson. And then you never hear him again. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, Oh, that's really cool. I've and ne- maybe, yeah. maybe that con- maybe that scene needed to be extended where he has a bit more conversation with himself, and he's mm. like, you know what? I used to be happy. I had all these things, and be like, actually, no, it was kind of crap. Have it like mm. because I had no friends or anything like that. Yeah. And yeah, maybe more of a connection with that. It's like, oh no, but the first first time somebody has actually spoken to me person to person is Pacha. Mm. And yeah. I 
do not doubt that they probably had all of that stuff. Yeah. Mm. And it got cut. They just they just mm. simplified it, simplified it, simplified it, boiled mm. it down, cut it down, cut it out, did it visually, had him looking at llamas. Yeah. And then having him try and befriend the llamas just mm. silently. Like yeah. that's that's what that moment is. But obviously the impact isn't as is a bit lost. Is, yeah, is a bit lost if, if you're not um I think I think the impact of that moment could be you wouldn't need to change that moment much, I think. But yeah, I think probably more context prior Just, to it would right. be needed. Be like, maybe he has that whole conversation with his narrator self saying how he has no friends and he's only just realising it. Yeah. Or yeah. and or maybe he actually sees Pacha interacting with his family and realising, oh, I've never actually had that. Because mm-hmm. there's no real discussion about his emperor at he's not even 18. Mm. So that means his parents at least... And there's no reference to parents or anything mm. like that. It means they're probably dead. And so there's no <laughs> it's, there's it's, no real reason. No, it's all it's yeah. all done away with. I, and I ha- I have a feeling that there was I mean, the original story was mm. so much bigger and grander. Yeah. yeah. And so much more going on and like they were just mm. like running out of time, running out of time, running out of money, running out of money. Yeah. Cut it down, cut it down, cut yeah. it down, boil it down, boil it down. Just we just need something. And they just went less just we've got this many weeks left. Yeah. Let's just make something fun. It, it does feel yeah. as though, yeah, that this was essentially, guys, we've said we're releasing this movie with a, with an Incan-like emperor in it. Mm. Um, yeah. We've got to get this out the door. And we've been farting like, around too they've, much. They've done all this research on Incan backstory. They had all of these Incan gods and things yeah. that were going to be part of a story. Mm. And um, now it's like, well, we've already got this stuff designed. Um, and we've we've got a, a title which they then changed to the Empress New Groove anyway, mm. like a, a couple what of weeks before. What was the before. original title? Kingdom of the Sun. King, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so um, this just to very quickly jump ahead to the IMDb trivia troll. Um, this this one bit of trivia is very long, and I'm actually going to discuss it separate from the trivia troll because it is key to this discussion. Mm. Um, the movie was originally planned to have been a dramatic sweeping Disney musical named The Kingdom of the Sun and was going to be directed by The Lion King's director, Roger Allers, and by Mark uh, Dindle, um, who directed Cats Won't Dance, mm. um, which I completely forgot existed until I read this. And I've I went, never heard of that film. <laughs> I remember liking it as a kid. I haven't watched it since as an adult, but I remember it being fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, with six original songs to be written by Sting that was essentially an Incan retelling of Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. Okay. David Spade was the voice of young Emperor Manco. Owen Wilson was Patcher, a young peasant with a striking resemblance to the Emperor, and Eartha Kitt was Yzma, the aged royal sorceress. Mm. The movie involved Manco and Patcher switching places, except that Yzma finds out, turning Manka into a non-speaking llama and makes Patcher do her bidding. So that, that was the original idea for the film. Okay. Um, the resulting movie tested very poorly and the production was suspended, even though the movie was, at that time, around 50% complete. Mm-hmm. Alice and Yzma supervising animator Andrea Stager left the project and moved to Orlando to work on Lilo and Stitch. During the production hiatus, Dindle, producer Randy Fullman, uh, storyman Chris Williams and screenwriter David Reynolds completely overhauled the movie, eventually throwing out Wilson, the Prince and the Pauper angle, uh, the completed footage, and all but one of Sting's songs. 
As Roger Allers' take on the movie was starting to take shape, Disney management was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the movie, feeling it was too similar to the story of The Prince and the Pauper. Test screenings for this second version also generated poor feedback. On the strength of this, Mark Dindle was hired to add more comic effects to the movie. Uh, Dindle and Allers did not get along, and essentially both began making their own separate versions of the film. The Disney Which executive... always ends well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Disney executives, although unhappy with Roger Allers' uh, direction on the movie, held off from interfering because he directed The Lion King. And they mm. were like, he clearly knows what he's doing, but it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> um, and also The Lion King was a very troubled production as well. Mm. So they, they yeah. had faith in him. Oh, wow. Um, most of Allers' crew were very loyal to him as well. Uh, by the summer of 1998, it was increasingly clear that The Kingdom of the Sun was not going to make its summer 2000 release date. And merchandising tie-ins with McDonald's and Coca-Cola, amongst others, meant that the release date could not be moved. Uh, director Roger Allers had asked for a six-month extension for the release, which was denied, so he quit the project. With the movie on the brink of total shutdown, co-director Mark Dindle worked on a retooling of the movie. Uh, while he did this, most of his animators were reassigned to work on the Rhapsody in Blue segment of Fantasia 2000. The result of this retooling was the movie we have today. The story was rebuilt from the ground up, uh, re retaining uh, Spade and Kit um, in, in their original roles, uh, but centering on the talking llama plot and uh, Patcher now being a middle-aged man, played by John Goodman, and the introduction of Kronk. Mm. So that that's the sort of like blow by blow account of the wow. the kingdom of the sun, and you can see it all in that documentary, mm. and it is wow. it is gut wrenching to yeah. watch. It's amazing though, Robert. Knowing all that, and mm. and obviously having had quite a lot of time to reflect on it, and having seen the documentary, how does that affect your relationship with the Emperor's New Groove in terms of the final product? Does it make you? appreciate it more or does it make you really see that this was almost like we have to just get something out there um i <laughs> i guess i i do kind of see it as we have to get something out there a lot more than i would otherwise mm. uh having said that there we have to just get this out there works so bloody well well that's the <laughs> like, thing that's re really not, amazing it's not a it's it's not it's it's not it an still ideal works. way of working exactly. but it definitely can for some projects it can it's like what what you get is that it's it is in no way shape or form what the original concept wanted to be mm. and that's never going to see the light of day and mm. it's and it's very sad and upsetting for the people that originated that um it's probably impossible for them to accept that it's been turned into what would probably yeah. amount to be something quite trivial mm. however the audience at large don't know that they go and see this film yeah. and they have a really enjoyable time and disney makes its money back and then well i don't know if the disney did make its money back considering uh, how much i can they tell you that this it. movie cost them a hundred million dollars but made 169 million dollars just that's it's, it's that's nothing though that's I know. that is it, not it, yeah once you take in into account terms <laughs> yeah once you take into account things like the advertising budget as well yeah it may be broke even yeah maybe yeah um it's yeah it's a tricky thing and like considering like yeah like five years spent working on it mm. and basically in the last year throwing everything out and starting from scratch not yeah, from scratch that's pretty... from like it's that's that I, is i wouldn't want to be in those offices no i can imagine that is how stress. demoralizing that could be but that is 
that is the process and that's how like the majority of well not the majority but it's certainly the studio base of pixar and uh disney and dreamworks films end up happening is quite often they get a release date and before anything else and it's come it's either make make it make it work or come hell or high yeah even the even the actual disney released uh the disney plus making of frozen 2 Mm. watching that and going oh god this no no Mm. this is going terribly wrong and they are not happy with this and like they they put it out as a big success but you watch the film and you see the behind the scenes and you're like no clearly this was a this was a um okay this is our last idea but is it the best idea? It doesn't matter. There's no time. Mm. Yeah. We've just got to go we, ahead because the release date is one month away. Yeah. Guys, we just have to let it go. Come on. Oh, my God. Oh. Like, just totally. So, yeah, I I see this as... I see this as a success. And I, mean, I, and I still yeah. do like it. I, it, I, I yeah. like it for what it is. Yeah. It's a competent film. More than, mm. it's more than just being a competent film. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. But we, also, as you say, we're not coming into it largely as like... Oh yes, this is meant to be the kingdom of the sun. We come at it going, oh, it's a wacky comedy. We're not I've expecting seen all the, the Lion King. We're not expecting like yeah. you know, devastating emotional blows where we'll cry and then and falling in love with mm. these. Like this is it's light, it's fluffy, it's fun, it's quick. Um, it's something you can put on, you can quote, you can jump in at any moment and just yeah. I can enjoy. definitely imagine when um, my nieces and nephews get a bit older watching this with them and enjoying it with them. Mm. It's um, just so silly and fun. Yeah, because it is. What, what I do notice about it, um, and and I I hesitate to say it's because of time constraints and budget restraints because mm. I think it works so brilliantly. And mm. it's one of those things where, you know, uh, having limitations sometimes helps Yeah, art, um, is that this film compared to so many disney films the backgrounds are so minimal Mm. so minimalistic they're very flat uh colors and they're very and they they only ever have like one or two animated characters Mm. on screen at any given time like it's very with the exception of very minimal crowd scenes yeah yeah um it's like yeah it's very it's very pared down Mm. It, it is like something that they would have done but I think quickly, they, and it, yeah. it's but it's a beautiful style. Yeah, like, they, yeah they, they've is. styled it out. Like it, like and you know the, the imagery of like the different uh, sort of animal shapes behind them in yeah. certain scenes, and this, the 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 massive cavernous spaces mm. of interiors, of and the, the ridiculous and yeah. like steep steps, and the amazing crash zooms in and out. Yeah. Like I love all of that stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, get, stylistically, the, it is amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, you, I don't think you can fault it for that. Um, but I am disappointed that is style is literally where the relationship with the with the Incan culture stops. Yeah, mm. um, it's, it's yeah. The like story literally, is, I was the, nothing the whole time I was watching this, so I'm like, it. why is this even set in the Incan culture? Yeah, it yeah. could just as easily like it could have been anywhere else in the world with a yeah. different animal. It could yeah. have been. He could have done it in bloody Woolamaloo and, and he could have been turned into a sheep. And that's weird yeah. because, yeah. like, yeah, it, having started out being about, you know, mm. 
a, an empire of the sun and mm. having yeah. the sun god as a character in one of the like you know actual incan yeah Gods like and... being being a bigger part of the story mm. and it, uh, it was a I think it was a partly a creation mythos yeah. of that culture was the story. And then they get locked into it and then they've got, you know, deals with McDonald's and a release yeah. date, but they've got to make something and they throw, they've thrown all that out. Like that was, that was one of the things um, before, before we started recording, actually, even before you came in today, Stephen, mm-hmm. uh, Rob and I were talking about uh, how Disney is a bit crap with the cultural appropriation, but how they have gotten better in the past couple of years. Mm. And specifically, we were talking about um, uh, Moana. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, actually, watching Moana, I actually learned something about the Pacific Islander cultures. Mm. Like, yes, maybe it's not much, mm. but I learned that I learn about a demigod and how he's how he's magical and how he has the fish hook. Yeah. And learn about one of their very important tenets, their connection mm. with the sea and things like that. Yeah. And connection with the land. Mm. And and even in like if you think take a contemporary one, Lilo and Stitch, you learn a bit about of the Hawaiian culture through that. Not as much. Mm. You know? Um Yeah. But I, here I yeah. get nothing. I, I, I get nothing. I yeah. was like, cool. The Incas had geometric patterns in their designs. Mm. And they liked llamas. And, and they used llamas and they like, lived on very hilly places. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Uh, you, you know, even it's just a setting. Yeah. And, and it's just a setting. And maybe that's uh, the difference between how a lot of studios are approaching mm. things where they do appropriate elements from a culture. Like, I don't think you would have. I don't think that a film like Moana or a film like Coco would have been made the same way they were made four or five years ago as if they'd been made in the mid in the late 90s early 2000s and it's probably for the best that it's that it's gone the way it has i agree with you but i also counterpoint yes mulan yes oh the the recent mulan no 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 as in the 1998 (laughs) uh, mulan yeah which and um there's this very good youtuber whose name she's a chinese youtuber uh, who did a takedown of the live-action Mulan mm-hmm. because she was not a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a Chinese YouTuber but lives in Canada, uh, does her videos in English for, for those who... Um, yeah, and she does these great deep dives into how the culture is represented and chats to, and talks about that, both the good and the bad. She roasted live-action Mulan. Mm-hmm. Um, however, then she went back and did the 98 Mulan and right. she's like, actually, yeah, it's, there's still some cultural appropriation, but they've also hit on some really good points. Yeah. And she was, she was like, no, actually I'm, I'm much happier about mm. the 98 Mulan yeah. than she is about the current one, which just goes to show that yes, we can go, oh, it was the past, mm. but there's sometimes there's, yeah. if people do the work then it shows. I, I do feel as though the general culture around studios these days, or at least around people, what people want from their studios, yes. particularly from a big studio like Disney, is they expect that work now. Yes, and there I, is more yeah. um, ma- oh, like popular yeah. push for it. Yeah, whereas obviously in yes. 98 and 2000, really. it's like, hey, Mulan was great and it was a bonus, but you can still churn out Emperor's New Groove and yeah. it's you know there's a piñata in there, which is not Incan, as you rightly pointed yeah. out, and just be like... <laughs> 
Cool. And of course, as Rob pointed out, Riverdance is also not. It was just a rage in 2000. Yeah, yeah it was. Like, uh, Michael Flatley Inkins was still at the Did pump. not Riverdance. Of, no. his, of his attractiveness. Tom Jones was. And, not, and why. Was the Las Vegas And why was there <laughs> just... white characters? Mm. <laughs> Even. Like, yeah, they were background characters, but I'm like. Is it a, you're a, clearly not Incan. <laughs> a, a very uh, Jewish old lady that runs the restaurant. And the yeah. singer. Yeah, when she goes, yeah, Mazel Tov, like, yeah. yeah. And the little old man, oh, I'm a rebel. Like, Piglet. Who, yes. He's I just, just, I just hear Pig, I just see Piglet when I hear that voice. Yeah. <laughs> Would you guys like some trivia about the Emperor's New Groove? Yes, please. Lay it on me. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. <laughs> uh, Patrick Warburton improvised when Kronk hummed his own theme song when he was carrying Cusco in the bag to the waterfall. <laughs> Disney's legal department had Warburton sign all rights to the humming composition over to them. Oh, <laughs> of course Disney did. But that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> I recently just got to, like, doing the endless Facebook video scroll, mm-hmm. came across a video which is behind the scenes of Robin Williams voicing Aladdin. Oh, yes. And, like, you, it's quite famous that he improved a lot of it. Yes. Um, but what I didn't realise is he improved scenes with other actors and he would frequently, like, they would have to stop because they would break character. Mm. It was so good. Yeah. No, he was, uh, like, once again, Robin Williams. What a talent. I, the one bit that I love is like, how do I look, Genie? Like, like a vampire with a day pass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, in the scene where Pacha is carrying Cusco through the jungle, Pacha and Cusco discuss Cusco having low blood sugar. This is an in-joke about the fact that David Spade, who plays Cusco, is hypoglycemic. Oh, cute. So they were like, we're just going to throw this in about you. He was like, all right. Uh, in the scene where Cusco and Pacha are searching through the various potions, Pacha says lions, tigers, bears, and then oh, they come upon... The potion for humans and it's missing and yes as Yzma says oh my uh, this uh, recreates a line from the Wizard of Oz from 1939 as I'm sure literally everyone knew Lions and tigers and bears oh my according to producer Randy Fulmer and director Mark Dindle they were forced to use this joke which they detested by then head of feature <laughs> animations Thomas Schumacher <laughs> why? why do they hate it? it's I, a cute little because it was thing. forced on them yeah oh. They're just like, we don't want to do this joke. And Thomas Cry is like, babies. do it. It's fu- it's, the w- it's the Wizard of Oz. The kids are today. All- they all get Wizard of Oz. That <laughs> film's only 70 years old at this point. It's still good. Sorry, 60 years old. Yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just love their like, stupid bloody joke. We have to include it. Mm. All the other jokes in this film are gold. This one's going to bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, The makers of this movie originally wanted to get Sting to sing the opening song, but he said he was too old and that they needed someone more hip and younger for the big groovy song. (laughs) So they went with Sir Tom Jones, (laughs) 11 years older than Sting, just for the record. Um, So good, though. It was still a good song. He he enjoyed it. He was a a Las Vegas headliner at the time, and Mm. their idea of making ancient inca at the las vegas of the day yeah like it it fit in with that yeah the concept i guess and yeah tom jones is just a great singer it's just great. and like i think yes. a good movie theme song singer yeah yeah you know like uh he's, he's the male shirley bassey like he's, he's who you want well, he did thunderball he did do thunderball yeah oh, that note I Cusco's spinach puffs are actually empanadas 
Um, a typical dish from Latin America, especially amongst uh, Latin American natives like Kronk. While Kronk... Uh, Why do ma- they call it empanadas? It is interesting. It, um, it, they say it, they do say it once. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. Uh, while Kronk made uh, chicken and spinach empanadas, uh, they can be made with a mixture of ham and cheese and uh, most popularly with ground beef. The word puff is used because it is the closest word in the English language to describe an empanada. Um, I've had empanadas in Chile. Oh, really? Yeah. How were they? They were very good. They were very popular street food. Also popular is sopapilla, Mm -hmm. which is pumpkin bread, where you'll find, or at least I found them in uh, Santiago, and you'll walk down the street and there'll be people with trolleys Mm -hmm. with a gas canister and a burner hooked up over under a bowl of oil mm-hmm. and they'll just drop in the sopapilla in and cook you up some pumpkin bread with some mustard and tomato sauce. That sounds pretty good. It was really good. It was like we always had to resist not uh, stopping off at the uh, street vendors mm. walking through the city. During production, back when it was still Kingdom of the Sun, uh, Hungarian animation director and folklore expert Marcel Jankovics was brought over by Disney to help out with the project. He considered the proposed story similar to his feature film debut Johnny Corncob from 1973, and he already had considerable experience in adapting the tales of other cultures, uh, sorry, older cultures and folklore. Uh, in works such as Son of the White Mare and the Hungarian children's series Magyar Nebmesek. Apologies for the pronunciation, I do not speak Hungarian. Uh, when co-director Roger Allers quit and the movie took a drastic change in direction, Jankovics also left the project, having worked on it for a few months. Although Jankovics reportedly hated the completed movie, he claims he made several good friends at Disney and stole some pencils. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you get something good out of it. That's what everyone does in their own, when they're on a shitty job yeah they don't like they're like well at least i'm getting this out of me oh yeah yeah Yeah. so so much stationery is is taken on i think the last day of most temp jobs (laughs) it's like stupid job i'm gonna i'm gonna take six hole punches just so i never need to buy one again Uh, the final What's bit of... that? All your staples are missing? Mm. Oh, don't look in my car. Yeah, just reams of paper coming with... <laughs> Revenge is complete! Uh, the final bit of trivia. Adam West originally had a small role in this movie as a crazy village member of uh, Patch's village. On hearing that Patch's newest llama w- was actually the emperor, he would offer to lend him his rebel army to help him escape, only to reveal his army was made of scarecrows. Uh, although West recorded his scenes and the movie crew found it hilarious, the scene was never animated. Aww. Aww. Yeah, I mean, it does sound trivial, but still, fine. It sounds West. like I a mean... Family Guy sketch from, yeah. from when he was in there. Just, What's oh. that? I'll, I'll, I'll lend you my army! Yeah. Well, with it being, well, the problem is, is Adam West would probably sound a little bit too much like Kronk. Yeah. Like they, they've got mm. very similar... Yeah. yeah, like not as deep, but they've got very similar deliveries. Like yeah. it would have been strange. <laughs> So, with all that being said, it's time to score the film. And Katrina, you get to go first because it was your first time watching The Emperor's New Groove. What would you give it out of 10? Um, well, I did enjoy it, but, and it was fun, but I I don't think I love it um, because of the problems that we've discussed. And yeah, yes, it is light and fluffy, and sometimes that's fine and I can still really love a film in spite of that but for this one i think it does detract Mm -hmm. so with that all that in mind i'm gonna give it 
Six and a half. Squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what about yourself, Rob? Well, I, I find it a lot of fun um, yeah. and very enjoyable. I think it's quite successful. Um, I Yeah, it is slight, but I don't care. I give it an eight and a half spinach puffs out of ten. Excellent. I, I really enjoyed this. I think it's a really solid um, comedy road trip film um, with... Some very obvious flaws, but maybe not as many flaws as it should have had, given the mm. production history. Yes, like, yes. like it, it is impressive that this film is as good as it is, knowing its its backstory. Um, yeah, it is a little short. That's actually not a bad thing, I think, for a lot of yeah. films. It could have been, uh, it could have been longer than it was interesting, and I'm really glad it didn't um, try and outstay its welcome. And yeah. it's, it's a very Mostly harmless, mostly inoffensive, bit of fun. Like you say, you can put it on for kids to watch and they'll enjoy it. You can put it on for most adults and they'll probably enjoy it passively Mm. as well. Um, So I'm going to give it um, seven and a half vindictive squirrels out of ten. Because that little squirrel was rightfully vindictive. But just the fact he had a balloon on him. (laughs) It's the first time watching that film I've gone... And made it into a llama. I was like... why does he have that balloon? It Why ne- is he in South America, Stephen? <laughs> oh, look, maybe he's on holiday. Like, it's, it's entirely possible. Uh, but that but brings us to... have a whole chipmunk <laughs> brigade. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this episode. So, Rob and Katrina, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Squeak, 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 squeak. Squeak, squeak, And for all the squeaker. squirrels out there, you know what I mean. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Hey, 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 we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can, Yeah, you can find us there. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. Give it a like and uh, you'll get news and updates from us uh, as and when they come out. We are also on Patreon. This movie was uh, selected in part by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. So if you want to help us pick movies... Uh, maybe you want to see Kronk's new groove. Uh, well, I'm not doing it unless you give me money and then tell me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Uh, but if you would like to join us. And then us, we finish it off with the sweat box. The sweat box. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, well, if you want all of that, um, and plus some other bonus goodies, uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all of that fun stuff. And finally, you can subscribe to get a new episode each and every week. Just search for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, the Cinema Catch-Up Club. You should find us there. But that's all for this week. So until next time, squeak, squeak, squeak em, squeak. Crunk out. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.